Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, our Gilmore Girls podcast, where we also sprinkle in a bunch of other shit. I'm Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. And today we're going to be discussing season four, episode four, Chicken or Beef. And it is one of the most frustrating episodes of this season. Thank you. I will not be taking questions at this time. I agree. You agree? Yes. I was going to say thank you for coming to my TED Talk. We're done. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, I have so many, okay. Um, (laughs) Before we do that, uh, I also have a bunch of thoughts on a little show on Netflix called Ginny and Georgia. Which I made clear I was not watching for podcast purposes, so Eleni watched it for the both of us and she's going to share. Yeah, so the reason I watched it is because... Um, There's been a bunch of articles about it um, and how it relates to Gilmore Girls, how some people are comparing it to Gilmore Girls, some people are thinking it's plagiarized from Gilmore Girls, some people are boycotting it because it's clearly plagiarized, and I was like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I feel like you started the plagiarism rumors, like you shared the the preview on our story and was like, uh, plagiarism. Excuse me. If you think I'm that powerful to start a rumor on all of Twitter, you're insane. <laughs> well, you you did kind of start a bit of a movement about David Sutcliffe at the Capitol, so... Oh, relax. I'm not <laughs> this powerful, you guys. She, mm, I think sometimes she is, and she doesn't even know it. She has this, oh. like... She has this, yeah. like, touch of controversy that she just, like, sprinkles on things. I That I will agree to, but that's <laughs> powerful stuff. Um, no, okay, so the, the video that Jeffrey is referencing is when the extended trailer came out for the show, for Ginny and Georgia, um, there was a clip of it where the mom says, the mom who is Georgia says, we're like the Gilmore Girls, but with better boobs. Number one, no. Um, no. (laughs) She says with bigger boobs, excuse me, and they don't have bigger boobs than the Gilmore Girls. Um, thought you should know <laughs> but so then I, I i i made a comment about oh it's it's not every day that a show acknowledges its plagiarism outright but um that was before the show aired jeffrey so now oh. i have something to go off of okay now she has something to say you guys like something to actually but contribute now, now it's rooted in fact <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so and jeffrey has made it clear that he's done with netflix original shows Yes, and when you're done with your analysis, can I can I explain why I'm done with Netflix? Wait, no. Okay, I was gonna be like, you know what? We'll leave it till the end after we're done talking and trashing the actual Netflix show. Um, I think Netflix is just like my least favorite streaming service now. And now that there's others that are just better, uh, you know, Disney Plus, cough, um, is my favorite personally. Um, it's just Netflix is just very toxic for me. I think it's just because. The way that it's trained people to consume media, I'm just not a big fan of. The way it's like you have to watch everything as fast as possible. And when like things that they don't own, like movies or shows that they've uh, like leased the streaming rights for, you, you feel like you have only have a short window of time to watch it before it goes away. And yes, Eleni's going to counter-argue all of these things. Um, but for me, it's just like... As an anxious person, an innately anxious person, I feel like I need to have time to sit and consume these things. And if I don't, if I'm not in the mood, 
Like, you know, sometimes things will be in my list for six months, then they're gone because Netflix took them off. And, like, that's obviously on me because I didn't watch it or didn't make the time to watch it. But, like, I just like, would like the time, freedom, and space to consume at my own pace. And I feel like Netflix just doesn't really allow for that sometimes. Okay, well, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, but I think that that's, that, that, that notion of consuming media, like, warp speed, that's, Yes, Netflix kind of invented that, mm-hmm. but all other streaming services have kind of adopted it. Yes, I for sure. Um, I think Netflix, uh, I won't say paved the way, but Netflix, the way that they released the shows all at once, and it was they like kind of invented the modern version of binge watching, I guess, in a, in a way, yeah. in terms of streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do actually like how both Apple TV and Disney Plus have started reviving or introducing shall we say uh a way of releasing like one episode a week at a time as if it would yeah. be i was as, as if it would be airing on network tv it would be each week at the same time um apple tv and disney plus have started doing that with a few of their own originals and i think that's just a much more refreshing way because especially um you know on streaming services where you can have access to full series all episodes to watch at, at whatever pace you want I think it's re- I think it's refreshing to counter that and say like this is a new show but we're only re- we're only releasing it uh, a week at a time if you want to watch as it comes out or you can consume it at your own pace after all the episodes have been released you know yeah no I I get that completely and I think we've talked about that before um, how it's kind of taken the excitement out of watching a show um, but at the same time I'm we always come full circle, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, Disney Plus is doing it. Um, Apple TV is doing it. Crave has started doing it with shows that are airing currently. Um, we went from watching things on network television where we had to wait and we'd build the anticipation to mm-hmm. streaming services, services, services <laughs> such as Netflix where we can binge and we love that. And I think this past year has really shown us that um, there's only, like, because we've had so much time with the pandemic and lockdown and quarantine and whatever, I think we're starting to get, um, like, overloaded with media. I don't know. Because I also long for the days (laughs) where I have, like, a previously on and, like, promos and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it has a lot to do with also like during the the lockdowns and quarantines, like the world slowed down, but yeah. you know Netflix and other streaming services kept going this at the same fast pace, and it was like okay, I think we can afford to all slow down just in every area, and that's why um, other streaming services have started with the weekly new episodes. And I would also have to argue that Netflix did also do. Uh, weekly new episodes with a few different shows, but it wasn't like fully original. I remember they did it with Riverdale when they first acquired the streaming rights. It was like in partnership with the CW. So it was like would air as the CW aired it. And if I recall, um, a lot of young people at the time were like just ravaged by that because it was like, oh, I want to watch it as fast as possible. Yeah, I want to watch it like, now. Yeah. And I think just like in terms of youth culture and the way that. It's the way the way that media is designed geared towards youth culture today, I think it's Netflix is in a specific position where they are in the driver's seat and they're kind of just gearing away 
to consume media as fast as possible, even if even if that's not really their intention completely. I think that's what they're doing. And for me, that's toxic. So that's why I just pick and choose with Netflix. Yeah. And I have to say, some of the original shows on Netflix are great. Mm-hmm. It's very hit and miss for me is what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love Sex Education, for example, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great show. I think it's such a positive show. The messages that they have in it, um, the different issues surrounding sexuality, great. And then I think there's, like, shows that where I'm like, what are we really contributing to society here? It's okay. You can say Emily in Paris. Uh, yeah, one of that's one of them. But I was also thinking about the shows like Bling Empire. Oh yeah. And um, this one, <laughs> Ginny and Georgia. <laughs> so like, I'm I'm just, ugh. and I feel bad because I understand that there are people that work hard on those shows, like those original shows, mm-hmm. and um. So getting into Ginny and Georgia, I feel bad because there's a bunch of backlash about the show. There was a bunch of backlash about the show even before it premiered because of the similarities to Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Um, And there's been people calling for its boycott because it's plagiarism and whatnot. And, um, And I feel bad because as an actor, you get an opportunity to star in a show. And what are you supposed to do? Not take it? Yeah. Because it's problematic. <laughs> like, all shows are problematic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's rare to find a show that doesn't have some kind of drama with it, right? May I ask what you mean specifically when you say problematic with Ginny and Georgia? Like, is yeah. it just because it's too similar to Gilmore Girls? Or no, what? so here's what I'm going to say about it. So, um, what I mean by problematic, and maybe I should have started with this, is that uh, I don't like <laughs> the way... And a lot of recent teenage, well, geared towards teenager shows do this. I don't like the way we portray teenagers and sex in these new shows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, because you mentioned Riverdale, um, that's one. Um, You know, Ginny and Georgia is another one. So I'm just going to explain for those of you. And if you want to... If you want to watch it and you don't want spoilers, like I I only watched the first episode, so I'm not really spoiling anything um, beyond that. But if you do want to watch it, don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's Ginny's 15. Mm -hmm. And um, right out the right, like at the beginning of the show, she's talking about how she moves around a lot. So she hasn't really had time to develop friendships with people or relationships with people. She's never even been kissed and she's still a virgin. And it's like, okay, that's not really revelatory. You're 15 years old. It's fine. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact that the show makes it a big deal right off the bat, I'm like, why? <laughs> Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's 15. It really didn't need to be said that she was a virgin. Like, you know, it didn't need to be made a big deal of. But anyways, fine. Yeah. And then the first episode, she talks about, yeah, how she's never been kissed, that she doesn't have a, she's never had a boyfriend, she's still a virgin. And then um, she ends up having sex that first episode with a guy she just met who crawled through her window. Okay. Like, (laughs) just, like, they went from kissing once to he crawls into her bedroom window, kisses her again, and then they have sex, and he's like, okay, bye, and he crawls out of her window. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to keep this on the down low, because he has a girlfriend. Oh, of course. 
Of course. Class act. So there's that part of it. And then there's also this new trend. New trend. I don't know if it's necessarily new. I think we've always had it, but now it's getting amplified. Why do we romanticize that kind of behavior? Mm-hmm. So this this trend of romanticizing um, trash men or women, <laughs> depending on what it is, but it's usually with men, right? Yeah. So that behavior... That, like, I'm going to crawl through your window. I'm going to, we're going to have sex. We don't even know each other, by the way. By the way, I still don't know this guy's name. Is it me? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I can never remember his name. But all this to say, like, it all moved so fast. And I was like, whoa, whoa, where are we going? (laughs) Yeah. You know? And then I also don't like this new thing where they show you teenagers having sex. Yeah. Like, that made me feel icky as a 28-year-old woman, knowing that this girl... Well, the actors are both of age, so I guess it's fine. But they're meant to be portraying 15 and 16-year-olds. But it's still... No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, other shows have done that, too. And even in the past, there was... I think it was different just in in its approach, maybe in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, even in the 2010s. Like, on TV, it was... Like, obviously, they were having sex, and that was a big issue to the teen drama. But at the same time, it was, like, still a touchy subject. Not as, like, okay, let's bang. We're 15. Cool. Like No, but do you remember? So, remember in season three where um, Jess is, they're, they're canoodling on the bed at the party? Yes. How could I forget? Yeah, I know. And he's, like, unbuttoning her jeans. And we were all scandalized by that. Yeah. And now it's like, I just want to, like, I want to tell you about this scene. So he walks into her her bedroom from her window. She says, you're being creepy. And she says, rapey. Oh. And then, like, well, not towards him, but she was talking about something else. And then he kisses her. And she says, what are you doing? Who kisses somebody after they say the word rapey? Which I agree, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) So then, anyways, they undress. And they're showing her under the covers and him next to her. And he literally says, "Are you? do you think you'll be okay with two fingers? Oh, okay. That's a... like, when did we move from, like, showing us them in bed after but, like, fully clothed? You know, like, the fade to black and then the aftermath? To, we're going to show you this whole explicit sex scene. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound too much of a prude. I'm but... not a prude. <laughs> No, and even, even like, my mother will tell you I am a prude, and my dad's the biggest prude ever, so that's where I apparently get it from. But, like, I'm sorry. Um, if I were a parent, and I never will be, but if I were a parent, um, I wouldn't want my preteen or early teen to be watching something with um, fingering. Uh, you know, well, that's, think, that's a no for me. I mean, I think... It used to be like just the just the fact we knew that they had sex was scandalous enough. And yeah, now, or not even scandalous, just like risk. It was risque the fact that these te- that teenagers are talking about sex or oh they had it and it was shown off screen and oh my god. But now it's like two fingers. I'm not going to repeat it again. Let's just let's just move on. But like, and I was just I was just I had to pause. I was like I don't understand how we got from one place to the other. I don't get it. But I will agree that. It's a bit of a trend, or maybe trend's not the right word, but it's a bit of a, it's a... It is, because what I wanted to say was, so Riverdale does that too. These these characters are meant to be in high school, but they're having, like, acrobatic shower sex. (laughs) And, like, 
<laughs> and then I tried to watch, do you know that show on Netflix, Tiny Pretty Things? I do. I haven't seen it. About the dancing academy or whatever? Yes. So I watched the first episode because I was like, might as well look at it because it was trending. And it, and it filmed in Toronto. So I was like, oh, let me see some Toronto landscape. <laughs> and I was like, it was so explicit. Like, they're 16 years old and you're zooming in on the guy giving the girl oral sex. Ooh. Wonderful. And I'm like, do we not have a problem with this? Honestly, I think even all of that reminds me a bit of Euphoria. Did you Have you seen Euphoria? I've seen some episodes, yeah. And, like, that's on HBO, so <laughs> I can kind of understand the explicit nature, and I think the whole point of that show is such a, like, the dark underbelly of teenage life, kind of. So it's, I'm not going to say it it's any better, but it's just a, the the explicit nature of some of the scenes just is a bit on brand with the whole premise, I guess. And no, so I'm not, yeah. like, that, that to me wasn't as scandalous. I'm like, okay, this is HBO. It's for, like, older teens, young adults. I wouldn't recommend, you know, 13, 14-year-olds to be watching this. And I remember when I was, like, 13, 14, there was, like, shows that my older cousins were into that were too young for me kind of thing. So, like, I thought it was kind of the same as that. But, like, mm-hmm. Janine Georgia, the dancing show, what is it, Tiny Pretty Thingies, um, like that, like, those I think are pretty accessible to teens, teens or young people of any age. So, yeah. And listen, I'm not seeing that. I'm not gonna sit here and say, like, oh my god, teenagers don't have sex. Obviously, teenagers have sex, guys. (laughs) But like number one, they're not having sex like that. No. And if they are, don't tell me. (laughs) Yeah, number one. I mean, if if they are, (laughs) but also like I feel like in your teens, you can you just get graded on attendance mm-hmm. when it comes to sex. Like, you're not having acrobatic sex and, like, cavalierly saying it's my first time, no, no worries. Like, we're just... You know, like, I was just so confused. Yeah, it's a bit much. I have to agree. So that's why I think for Netflix original series, I would prefer if they toned it down a little bit. And I don't even think I don't even think it's specific to Netflix because, like you said, it happens on Riverdale. And I'd also like to mention I watched the very first episode of the new new. It was new two years ago um, of the current Nancy Drew reboot on the CW. Doing the deed? Yeah, it was really really too much. Like for like I only watched about half, not even half, maybe like the first fifteen minutes of the pilot episode because. I love Nancy Drew, and I always have, and I love the movie with Emma Roberts to to the death. I will to my death. I will love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, interesting, new teen drama with Nan- like Nancy Drew. Like, sign me up. Um, no, the first of all, the acting was terrible, like awful. Uh, the writing was just. Mm-mm. Then there was like a sex scene in the first five minutes, or first few scenes, shall we say? Wow. Um, then the thing that like. There was the sex scenes that pushed me over the edge, but also the fact that they were just like, it was a complete rewrite of a bunch of things that happened in the books. I'm like, this is this is not. Mm-mm. You're you're just messing up the source material. No, thank you. <laughs> but the sex scenes were a little much. So yes, Nancy is also doing it. Wow. I, I would not recommend. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't, I, know, I, I don't even know how to trace it. Like what? Like I don't get what. Is it just because we've reached a point where 
they, we don't want to hide anything for te- like I don't I don't I'm not a teenager anymore. You're not a teenager anymore. I think I don't I don't know what the approach is. I can't even I can't even speak to that. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know if it's because like they've taken sex cells to a whole different level, mm-hmm. or if it's just because they think like we're not going to be interested if there isn't a sprinkle of sex in there. But even a sprinkle, like we can't. There's sprinkles of sex on Gilmore Girls. There's sprinkles well, of sex on One Tree Hill. Like there, like sex is a is a is a theme in every teen drama of every, of any era. But like you don't have. To, there's no explicit sex scenes in on the WB, obviously. But like even on Netflix, like ooh, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand how the CW went from being this family friendly, you know, pure. <laughs> We're going to cater to the family protection. What what was the organization I talked about two weeks ago? Anyways, whatever. I don't understand how it went from that to, like, Riverdale characters showing up to the prison to do a raunchy cheerleading. Oh, my. That was a lot. <laughs> that that, that was, clip is still going around on Twitter. Because <laughs> that, that was ridiculous. And that's why I say, like, I don't blame the actors. Like, you're 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 getting the chance to be recognized if you haven't before Mm -hmm. and then you're I don't know when that I don't keep up with Riverdale so I don't know where what season that scene aired in Mm -hmm. but like imagine you start off this show and then they give you a script in season four and they're like oh you're gonna have to go do like really raunchy things and you're like what do I do right now what position am I in right now yeah exactly you know what I mean? And the same thing I'll say for Ginny and Georgia. I've never seen any of these actors or actresses before. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been told they've played in other things, but they're not super well-known, right? Right. So, like, somebody's telling you, well, we've cast you for this original Netflix show, and you know Netflix is big, and you know people are going to want to watch it. Like, what do you say if you're, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying maybe they were uncomfortable with it. I'm just saying what, if you are uncomfortable with it, what do you say? I don't think you I mean. I don't think you do say anything, or you, you they find somebody else. Exactly, but then you have to decide. Like, do you want them to go with somebody else, or is this my chance to kind of break out? You know. Yeah. And I think, listen, I think there are certain things that the show does well. From the two episodes I've seen, like there are issues of sexuality and um, race that. Forget it, it was unimaginable in Gilmore Girls days. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some issues of self harm. Okay. But again, I'm not far in a lot. I'm not far along enough in the show to know if they handle that well, and if it's gonna be a disaster like Thirteen Reasons Why, or if it's gonna be handled properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this to say. If you're on the fence about the show because of Gilmore Girls, there are so many other reasons for you to be on the fence about it. <laughs> like, take Gilmore Girls out of the equation. <laughs> it's not at all similar. I would say that the similarities stop with they had babies when they were young. Yeah, because I don't even, like, isn't the whole premise that the mother has a criminal past? Yeah, so she killed someone. Oh, of course. Okay, so I'm getting more like, it's like, it's a, it's, similar to Gilmore Girls but it's not doesn't mean it's this it is it is like a redo of Gilmore Girls or anything it's just the similarities and the fact that it's a a young mother and daughter yeah so that's a thing that I also was like you can't even say that it's similar 
because by that virtue, every show that has a woman that gave birth in her teens is Gilmore Girls. Yeah. <laughs> so by that standard, teen mom is was influenced by Gilmore Girls. You know what I mean? So it's it, you can't even say they're similar. First of all, the characters, like the moms in both shows, totally different. <laughs> Georgia is very sexual. She does. She was at one point t- telling her daughter, "Don't have sex with him." It was her daughter's. It was her fifteen-year-old daughter's first date. She's like, "Don't have sex with him," but you can give him a blowjob. That's too much. I'm sorry. Like, and she's like, if you do give him a blowjob, there's this trick. And then she's like, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. Her daughter says. That's too much. Like, I don't, I, like, I'm sorry. Would you be comfortable with your, like, 13-year-old daughter? Do- no, I'm going to say daughter. Your 13-year-old child. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. Would you be comfortable with your child watching that? No, absolutely not. So, like, I, is the, isn't Ginny and Georgia geared towards a young adult audience? Yeah. So no. I, I'm telling you, I felt uncomfortable watching. <laughs> like I, I don't, don't. Yeah, I really. I wish I could explain it, but I don't even like. I I haven't done enough research or watched enough of them, or have an interest in watching them to know or th- have any like have a guess of why that's what the approach is. I don't. It's just no. It's a big no. Mm-mm. It's a big no. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, like, presumably, Georgia kills her husband because he touches her daughter inappropriately. Okay. It's what we, there, it's what it's alluded to in the first two episodes. And her past is also very violent with her stepdad hitting her. So, like, no similarities, guys. <laughs> Yeah, and what I'm getting from this is that, like, I, you know, like, when you watch something, it's like, okay, it's, let's say, it's Gilmore Girls, but with this. Or it's or yeah, it's Gilmore Girls meets... Gilmore Girls, this is Gilmore Girls, but with fill-in-the-blanks with every raunchy, disgusting, drama-filled movie you've ever seen. But it's true. Like, a lot of, Netf- a lot of Netflix originals that are geared towards young adults are very raunchy. And I'm just, like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about it now. Any others that I have seen... I haven't seen many, but any that I have seen, like, they're always a bit, there's always a bit of raunch. And I mean, I don't have a problem with raunch, but I'm 23 years old. Like, if I was 13, I would be scandalized. I mean, it just gives, I kind of get when my, what, what parents say now when they're like, I don't want my kids watching this show and they're scandalized. Because I used to think, like, oh, parents are exaggerating, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I never had some, growing up, Honest to God, the growing up, the raunchiest show I ever watched was The O.C. Yeah, I was going to say, and, like, was, and even that was just, like, on the verge. Guys, it was nothing compared to what Ginny and Georgia is. <laughs> like, nothing. And I think, I think that in The O.C., when I remember watching the episode where Marissa loses her virginity with my mother. No, God. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, I was 12. But I mean, even that is like they're just kissing and like they allude to a condom, but don't really say condom. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of understood that they had sex. And even that was too wrong. And my mother was like, this is too much. Yeah. And I agree with her. But can you imagine watching this now when I was younger? Like, I don't know, because when you see the preview of Virginia and Georgia, it's implied that it's like a family friendly, but it's like a, you know, um, a teen-ish drama that you could watch with your mom, let's say. And I'm sorry, if I were to sit down and watch Ginny and Giorgio from what you've described with my mother or with anybody, I think I would be in, I think I would be very uncomfortable. Oh my god, I want to watch a show with your mother so bad. 
the funny thing is, is that if I were to show her the preview, she'd probably be like, hmm, okay. And then, because my yeah, mom is like, <laughs> my mom will watch pretty much anything. She, she'll say like, as long as I'm entertained, like she, no offense to her, but she's like a very low standard for entertainment no, but sometimes. But I feel like your so, mother will give, it, will give everything a chance, right? Yeah, she exactly. Like she gives everything a fair shot. Exactly. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame her if she... Listen, just off the previews, I wouldn't blame anyone if they wanted to watch this, right? They're like, oh, interesting, whatever, mother-daughter relationship, something's gone wrong, some drama. And then you fucking talk about fingering, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Anyways, mm. in conclusion, Eleni is scandalized. <laughs> I mean, for good reason. Yeah, I guess. Am I going to watch the third episode? I don't know. I'm I'm 100% not kidding. I don't know. Also, another toxic thing that Netflix does is that, like, if you start to watch something and then you're not into it, it just saves and you continue watching for the next five years. Well, you can delete it, my love. I've tried. It doesn't work. How do you do it? You need to show me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you a video tutorial if you want. Because I, I Googled it once, but I didn't. I just didn't have the, the bandwidth to figure, to figure it out. Yeah, I get that. Anyways, so it was just that, that those are my thoughts. <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. So um, if you're if you were on the fence about watching it because you weren't sure how it was gonna make you feel vis-a-vis uh, -vis Gilmore Girls, that's not why you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> um, and listen, if ranch is your thing, go forth. I don't know what to say. Is there any like have you seen any discourse or articles about? it being like raunchy or inappropriate or anything but uh, no because i also haven't seen that about any other show that's raunchy for teens true like i was expecting i remember when i when i watched the first episode of tiny little i don't even know what the fucking name of the show is tiny little things tiny little pieces tiny little what <laughs> little tiny bitches i don't know what the fuck it's called <laughs> but i remember being so scandalized at the first episode because there's three very explicit sex scenes Mm -hmm. In a 40-minute show. Remember, like, when you were younger and you were craving, like... Remember the first time Rory and Jess kissed and you're like, Ooh! Yeah. And that was the most raunch you were going to get. <laughs> and it was enough. It was enough. Yeah. And now they've put three very hardcore sex scenes, um, like, between six, supposedly 16-year-olds. Yeah. In the first episode of Tiny Little Bitches. <laughs> and... I don't, and I, I was expecting to see a bunch of backlash surrounding that, and I never did. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to see it with Ginny and Georgia. <laughs> you have a point. And I really, I really want to know if I'm alone. I really want to know if I'm the prude. I don't think I'm the prude. So please, if you've seen Ginny and Georgia, um, and have some thoughts, we want to hear little tiny you. bitches. We want to hear from you. And uh, episode title for this week is Little Tiny Bitches. No. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's too explicit, but mouse piss tea is fine. By the way, it was mouse, like, as in uh, a smaller rat. Mouse piss tea, not mouth. Yeah, I thought you were saying mouth piss tea. That's why I thought it was so funny. I'm like, what is mouth piss? So we, we were texting each other back and forth last week, and I'm like, what are you talking about? What the fuck is mouth piss? And he's like, I don't know. What's mouse piss? I'm like, well, it makes more sense than mouth piss. Anyways, whatever. It was a whole conundrum last week. So I really kind of want to know about Ginny and Georgia. If so anyone please else. contact us. I mean, yeah, I just want to know people's thoughts because 
I've, I've been getting both sides on the interwebs. <laughs> like, I, I think people, some people are like just unfazed by it. And I think that has to do more with the fact that they were probably raised on this more raunchy television. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just been the norm for them. And then there's people like me who are like, whoa, Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. We should just move on to the episode. Yes. Shall we dive into episode four? Chicken or beef? By the uh, way, chicken or beef? I think I go with chicken. Me too. You can never go wrong with chicken. I was, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not against beef, but beef could go like in a, in a wedding setting, I think. In beef. a wedding setting, like in a hall at a reception hall, I'm like, we're going to go chicken. It's the safest bet. You, you really have to be a fucking dummy to fuck up chicken. Yeah. Anyways, that was my two cents of the day. Um, okay, so chicken or beef, Rory comes home from Yale. New hairstyle. My, with a new hairstyle. And my first issue with this episode is the fact that Rory is, what, three weeks into school? Maybe? Mm-hmm. Let's, three or two, two or three, whatever. And she's already like, I'm going to have a fun, chill, stars hollow weekend. And I'm like, bitch, you are already behind. You should be studying. Okay. Speaking of toxic, ma'am... Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's hard to say at that point, like, in her, well, of course, it's Rory, because she takes five million classes. Um, but I think, she, like, let her be. Okay, no problem. I'll see you in five episodes when you have a failing grade and need to drop a class. Well, I do have strong feelings about that. But I think at this, I think at this point, it's, it's, a, I think it's a touchy subject, because there's a, there's a point at which you don't realize that it's too much. And then by the time you realize you're taking too many classes, it's like, I think it happens in real time with Roy, which is, which is interesting. Whoa, so. By the way, that was not, a, that, okay. That was not a criticism of Rory because I've definitely been there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> me, like, it's me warning her 14 years later <laughs> to go back and study because I've definitely been the type that's like, Oh, five classes i can handle that and see if i had eight and then you like do a week of studying you're like how am i already 400 pages behind my reading which should be illegal by the way eight classes illegal (laughs) by the way (laughs) but yeah no it was just me being like oh poor rory you're gonna learn today (laughs) and i think it i think it probably comes across as toxic to me because i went like for for me it was like I didn't feel like it was almost like I didn't feel I could relax at all. Like it was like re- relax, no, none of that. Like I have to constantly be on edge and anxious and find a way to get everything done, even when I, and even when I finished everything that I could get done and I've destroyed all of myself. Like even then, I couldn't I couldn't rest because I just convinced myself that rest breaks aren't a thing. Yeah. So that's no. why I mean, that's why when you say you could be studying, I'm like, okay, war flashbacks, ma'am. I'm getting war flashbacks. Listen, not you could be studying because you shouldn't have time to relax. Yeah. I'm saying like, from what we know is gonna happen. I'm like, Rory, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I've definitely been there where it's like, I thought I thought five classes was gonna be a breeze, and then it wasn't. And then I was like, okay, four classes definitely gonna be better. And then that was better, but not good enough. So yeah, I understand the pressure that we put on ourselves and. I know that you have to listen as much as people told me five classes is going to be too much to handle. I needed to experience it for myself. 
And it's also worth noting that, like, we come into university having spent two or three years in CJEP, which is just ridiculous. And I wish, I'm not going to say I wish it wasn't a thing, because it does. I think it does have some benefits for us. But it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little jealous of people who just go straight from high school university. Oh, because I'm not. You're not? No, I'm not. I don't know. For me, it was just like, CJEP was just such a such a stressful time and I know a lot of that had to do with me personally but like no it was the opposite for me yeah like I hated high school um my high school was very like academically rigorous Mm -hmm. um we used to have like exam days where we had six exams in one day yeah like I don't know it's just it's I think it's just I'm it's hard for me to explain because like in high school, yes, I was stressed, but I think it was just kind of, like, I, like I experienced stress in high school, obviously, but it was just, like, I think I just always had this thing in the back of my, in the back of my mind that's, like, none of, like, none of this matters until I'm done, you know? It was, like, yes, math is stressful, yes, science was stressful, oh, my gosh, so many tears were shed, <laughs> but at the time, it was, like, everyone, you know, in terms of my mom, my family were always saying, like, you know what, math and science are is not. It doesn't matter that it's not your strong suit. We just have to. You just have to get through it, and then you'll never. You'll never have to do it again. And I think I kind of applied that to like every area of high school, and it was not not to say like I got a rude awakening afterwards, but it was like now I can focus on what I'm really good at. And then it was like I took all of this overachieving angst and I put it all into, uh, you know, doing what I'm good at. And it was like what I was good at was n- n- not worth that much energy that I put into it you know it was like I was I had all of this I had all of this energy yeah and see Jeff I had all of this energy and I put it all into my schoolwork and it was like I it was like a self it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy it was like I took all of this stress and anxiety and angst and I put it all into my schoolwork for too long and it was like I spent like a good three years afterwards just unraveling this toxic belief system and uh yeah that's a whole separate podcast because I could talk to you about that all day but for sure but for me for me it was more like I hated high school for a bunch of different reasons number one because academically like like you said math and science really not my forte Mm -hmm. and I went to a school that really made you feel like if that wasn't your forte you were a loser oh yeah for sure like really like they separated the math and science kids from like the not math and science kids and they made Mm -hmm. you feel like a dummy yeah um you know, and I always, always struggled with math and science. And it was, you know, added bonus. My brother has a PhD in physics. Uh, <laughs> so, like, um, I always felt very separate and very stupid in high school. Mm-hmm. And when I got to CGIP, and then there was also the language thing for me. So I did my high school in entirely in French. And I'm, I'm fluently French. Like, I'm perfectly bilingual. Well, I'm perfectly trilingual. But... Meaning, like, I could rewrite and do all my shit in French. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of liberating to be able then to go to a CGIP that was English and not have to put in the extra effort. Right. Because English was already, it was my first language, right? <clears throat> so not having to work twice as hard to think in another language. Mm-hmm. So it was really, like, great. Yeah. Um, so when I went to CGIP, there was that weight off my shoulders. And then I got to take classes that I liked. And nobody really made you feel stupid if you were not a math nerd. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've I've heard that from people who went to, like, either prestigious high schools or just super 
uh, academically inclined high schools where it was, you know, like you said, if you're not good at math or science or any higher up learning, it's like, okay, well, you're garbage. Like, you're stupid. And you yeah, belong with the really, burnouts. Like, It really started the belief for me. Like, high school really, really... Um, and like you, it took me a really long time to unlearn this, but high school kind of taught us that if you weren't good at science and math, you weren't going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And especially you with that, you have that, you still have that in the back of your head. Cause like you said, your brother has a PhD in physics. Like your own, your own family yeah, was, you know. Yeah. He loves that. But like, it was also very much my grandparents telling me you need to be good at science and math because you have to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> but more, it was more so the fact that my high school, if you, so in secondary five, so your last year of high school, you could pick your stream. So if you're really good at science and math, you can pick advanced physics and chemistry and math and whatever. And then in the other stream, it was bullshit journalism. And that wasn't really a journalism class. It was like write blog posts. You know, yeah. so like we already got... Um, we were we were very much shaded <laughs> from the math and science group of like your work is not as rigorous as ours. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My 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 high school my high school had that too. Yeah. So then when I got to CGIP, um, I had to unlearn all that, and I was already like, oh, I'm not good at all these things. So I'm gonna I'm obviously not gonna go into a stream that's very science and math heavy. Um, but I'm very good at everything else, and then. There was more a mix of kids in CGIP, right? Yeah. So you, you can kind of find your people um, where no one really, th- of course, there's always going to be those snooty people, <laughs> but yeah. no one really thinks that you're less than, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then forget it. In university, it's just, it's a whole other ballgame in university because you can literally major in anything, but um, the workload is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that came with its own set of problems, but I already had that, like, you're not good enough going into CGIP. And then when I got to CGIP thinking I wasn't good enough, it kind of changed my mentality once I was there. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think I had an easier time in CGIP than I did in high school. That's interesting. Cause like, I, I, like I said, I have heard other people say that once they got to CGIP, it was like, oh, now I can breathe. Like I don't have all this unnecessary pressure to do well and all these things. And I think it was cause at least for me that pressure was, I guess, we, my mom and my, my parents had just worked hard at subduing that pressure in high school, because, like, they saw how stressed out math made me, like, early on in science, so mm-hmm. it was, like, a way, like, it was, I think it was their way of talking me down early on, like, doesn't matter, like, you're good at other things, so I think it was almost like I had navigated my way through that stress already in high school, so I thought, like, oh, cool, now, you know, I'm prepared for whatever comes next. I'm not going to say I was unprepared, but I think I just had my own personal version of an overachieving goody two shoes, more or less, just coming to terms with the harsh realities of adult life. And yeah, I was, you know, I was very sheltered, shall we say, like more sheltered than people realized. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I like I was one of the only people in at least, I'm going to say in my entire graduating class, but one of like the only people in my friend group shall we say who went to a different CGEP like everyone else went to this suburban CGEP that we have but whereas I chose to go downtown and like everybody thought because I made that choice like oh he must be mature enough to handle that and it wasn't like I wasn't mature enough but I was also it was like I was I was mature but I it was just 
buried under so many layers of stress and anxiety that I'd never dealt with before. And it just all came to the surface at once. And it was a very stressful few years. Um, So all like, that's why season four is my favorite, actually, because uh, Rory's the way the way that Rory navigates the first year of Yale was very similar to, to how I felt navigating my first year of college. So like a lot of these personal anecdotes are going to come up this season, as I've mentioned. So just buckle yeah, up. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, if you grew up watching Gilmore Girls, um, a lot of people could relate to season four mm-hmm. and the struggles she goes through with discovering what it's like not to be the smartest anymore and like you're in you're in a bigger pond right now and everyone's fucking smart at Yale right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know yes you took this many classes in high school but it's not the same thing you know she's gonna come to terms with that and it's gonna be hard um and I think a lot of people can relate so I think that was what that's what I relate to too is that like it got, got to a point where I realized like how much I relied on the uh, you know, pats on the back I got from teachers my entire life. Like I lived, I lived on that. Like I lived for that applause. I lived for that validation. And then I realized, oh wait, I'm an adult now. I can't be sitting around waiting for that to happen. Like I have to, I have to be that person for myself. And that was just like a whole other journey. Yeah, I know. It's really, when you're that age, it's really a journey of self-discovery too. It was so traumatic, for example, but it was. <laughs> yeah, well, number one. But number two, it's like, for you, for example, you loved getting that praise from teachers. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen in university. <laughs> Never. Like, if you're, if you're looking for that in college and university, it's just not no. going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But then you, but maybe, I, I'm not speaking for you, but maybe somebody like that doesn't realize that that's what they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. And they get to university and they're like, why am I not doing well? And it's, <laughs> nobody's encouraging you you have to be your own cheerleader right and that's exactly. really hard for some people like I'm still learning how to be my own cheerleader like it's 100 <laughs> percent. and I also like to say before we actually get into you know the rest of the episode um the reason why I think I relate to Rory's experience so much in season four is because I don't know I just never really found that uh over overachiever perspective really represented in the same way in other fiction and other teen dramas I think it's just I think I think Rory's specific blend of goody two-shoes overachiever you know was always was always just the quiet perfect one her entire life and then she hits adulthood and she has to figure she has to like redefine herself for herself and it's it's traumatic like I said but it's also just a specific journey I find for overachievers and type a people type people with type a personalities um and it's funny because I see other you know, representations of first year of college or like I or like I meet people younger than me who are talking about, you know, being in CJEP or like, oh, I'm starting university. And it's like, they're just so light and bubbly. And I'm like, wow, you know, all of my years, all of my, all of my time in those years was just plagued by mental illness. So I wish I could have been like that, but, you know. Yeah. And I also <laughs> don't think what I like, what I can appreciate about Gilmore Girls um, and the vulnerability that season four brings is that I think other television shows, when we're dealing with somebody like Rory, who's so smart mm-hmm. and who is an overachiever, it's very rare that they write that downfall into the show. Exactly. And like I find if it's, I find if it's like you said, if it's a, if it's an overachiever, goody two shoes, a type A personality, it's like they just stay that way. They just stay perfect. But you you never see the actual falling on their ass that's the thing nothing ever like we never see them struggle 
they always just, it, it, it always just magically works itself out and we don't see that process. Exactly. So we get a very skewed idea of what these characters go through. Mm-hmm. So I think um, what the show does really well is show us that, um, number one, people work really hard for the grades they get and to get into Ivy League schools. Like, we've never doubted Rory's um, work ethic, right? We've they The show has always been really good at showing us that she works really hard. Mm-hmm. And then, and two, it just shows us that sometimes, even though you work really hard, it's just, it's not going to work sometimes, right? And you have to struggle a little bit. You have to struggle a little bit and you have to, you, you have to learn for yourself that you are not perfect. And I find yeah. with, I find it's, it's really specific with Rory because we don't see, we typically in fiction, we don't see a lot of type A personalities having a breakdown because type A personalities are portrayed as competent, successful, organized, like obsessed with time management. Like when they know what they're doing, they know where they're going and like, that's how they get there. And I think yeah. that's almost like the way that they want that that's the way they want you to see it because if, if you're that way you think hey cool they're like me i'm we're, we're both ambitious but like you never actually see the flip side of being so ambitious or you or being so obsessed with being perfect that it's like you have to learn for yourself that it's okay to not always meet that imaginary level of perfection that you have in your head from wherever like it's a, like i said for me it was a whole belief system that i had to unlearn it took years and it's and I'm still doing it like it's it's a process and I think I think for Rory her process is shown pretty much in real time and that's why it's it's very well done yeah um and listen we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to talk about um Rory's struggle Mm -hmm. in this season because it's not just an academic struggle right it's also a very personal struggle Mm -hmm. um but for this episode, I think we should focus on bigger things, like <laughs> how Dean invites her to his wedding. I was going to say, the virus and is back. The virus is back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're not talking about Rona. I was going to say, one pandemic at a time, please. <laughs> He's so bad. I hate him. Why is he still here? And it's weird. You're gonna you're gonna disagree with me, but I find that like this episode in season four is the only time when he's like mildly still attractive because like his hair is growing no. out, but it still kind of works. But then as soon as you see him the next time, it's like too long, and he has this gross his beard. His hair is that fucking flippy thing, like he's Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> you're not wrong. It doesn't work, and I need you to erase that from your mind. <laughs> oh, believe me! Like as soon as he, as soon as his hair gets even longer, his, I think his I think I mean no offense to the actor, but maybe his, maybe his face was bloated because it just he doesn't look healthy in later season four. I was gonna say he looks like a <laughs> he looks like an inflated Cheeto. He really does though. Like I no offense to the actor, no bashing, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, but um, I mean some tea. <laughs> Okay, fine. But it's just, no, it's not attractive. It's not his fault. It was a style choice of the early 2000s. Oh, God. Well, by that standard. I mean, listen, I don't know what it was, but season four was really terrible, in my opinion, for everyone's hair. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, so you don't like Rory's hairstyle now? The short hairstyle? I fucking hate it. I oh my gosh, I really, the first thing I wrote in my notes for today was, this is Roy's best hairstyle, don't at me, because like... No, I'm adding you, no. <laughs> I liked, I don't know, for me, I like the short hair. 
No, I, I didn't like it at all. I liked it better in season five when it had grown a little bit more and she started curling it a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't bad. This straight, very severe, like, I'm white from Connecticut hair. True. Doesn't suit her. <laughs> or maybe it does, and it's a foreshadow of what's to come. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> so I don't, oh, I don't know, should I say this? I don't, I don't think it's simply the hair that, that pisses me off this season. I think the costume, for Rory I'm talking, I think the costume department in general, where they tried very hard to make Rory very preppy, really pissed me off this season. Yeah, it's like, it was a bit caught, I have to agree, it's a bit caught in between, like, her basic high school style, and now it's like, she's trying to, like, she has the coats and the bags and the shoulder things, and... No, for me, it's like, they lose, in season four, they lose the essence of Rory. Like, well, none this... of what she wears in season four do I think is Rory at all. And I think like... maybe that was a choice on their part, because she's growing up, so she's taking... They want to portray that she's, like, taking more risks in her own wardrobe, and she's living on her own, and she doesn't have her mother's influence anymore. But the fact that they made her so preppy in a lot of these episodes, like, wearing polos with pop collars and, like, fucking... Uh, I only know the word in Greek. What the fuck is the word? <laughs> uh, anyways, like wearing button-down shirts on under sweaters and like, like it was too much. I'm like, are you a businesswoman or are you a 19-year-old? <laughs> anyways, it was too much for me. I didn't like it. Fuck her hair. <laughs> well, like, what was the like? What was her style in seasons five to seven? Like, was it different than this? I think it was way different. This like, season, that's one of the things I've never really, know, never really paid attention to before. So well, guess, pay attention uh, now because we're analyzing it for a podcast. And if you didn't, it would really, really suck. Um, okay, I'm sorry I wasn't, like, blind. Okay, I'm sorry I wasn't, like, paying attention to what she was wearing. I liked her hair. God, sue me. I'm talking from now on. Just pay attention to her wardrobe choices. Fine. She became very wasp. Yes. Okay. It's like as if she went to Yale and she was like, oh, my God, white people, where were you all my life? Let me dress like you. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Okay, fine. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's not talk about the hair because we're yelling at each other. Um, but yeah, let's get back to Dean and Rory. So Dean invites Rory to his wedding. My question for you is, do you maybe want to run it by your fiancé first? Like, do you want my sincere answer? or, or mm, Because, <laughs> like, I think... Well, I give it. For me, that's a really... <laughs> self-explanatory question like are you fucking dumb well yes first of all but also yes. um i think this episode makes clear that the wedding's a fucking mistake no, obviously <laughs> so like do we really want to dive into each specific mistake like he invites her blindly invites her to the wedding like yeah said, i want to doesn't... dive into all the mistakes <laughs> just to once again prove to the people that keep coming in our comments that dean is trash or like the people who say, you know what? I'm unfollowing this page because there's just a bit of bias towards one per one character over the other. I'm like, yeah, because the, the character you like is garbage. Like, sorry. No, no. Okay, can we just I, one step at a time? <laughs> Dean runs into his ex girlfriend and says, "Yo, you gotta come to my wedding without running it by his fiance." And yeah. by the way, can I just can I just say something? They haven't even been broken up a year, by the way. No, it happens really fast how the, like, the dance marathon wasn't even a full year ago, so. Exactly. So, how do you think your fiance is going to feel about you just blindly adding your ex-girlfriend to the guest list? That's number one. Number considering, two. Considering Lindsay was so uncomfortable at the, at the hockey game. At the hockey game and at the party. 
Yeah. And we never really see the fallout of what happens when Dean breaks an entire house defending her honor. I'm guessing Lindsay looked the other way because... Mm-hmm. I'm assuming because now they're married. I think I said this... Well, they're getting married. I think I said this in season three. For me, that went down like this. Lindsay, I'm so sorry I broke the house for Rory. You know I love you. In fact, to prove it to you, marry me. That's... Yeah, I would have loved... I would have loved to see that. I feel like that's accurate. I feel like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So that's number one. Rory gets schnickerdoodled into coming to this wedding. Because you can tell she's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Because mm, you, this is obviously not a good idea. That's fine. That's number one. Number two. Dean's bachelor party. If you can fucking call it that because you're not even old enough to drink at your own wedding or bachelor party. True. My, my rule of thumb is if you're not old enough to drink at your wedding, you should not be getting married. Yeah. Because you're a fetus. <laughs> Also, I kind of hate the way Lindsay's mother is so, like, into it. It's very, like, small is town. Yeah, is it just me? No, like, it's, it's like, I don't even, how shall I articulate words and words? <laughs> Dean is embarrassment, Dean is embarrassment in human form, and the bachelor party and Lindsay and her mother is just peak, peak heterosexual nonsense does that all does that make sense yeah it's just like she's our only daughter we want her to have everything well if you want her to have everything maybe tell her don't marry a fucking idiot that she's been dating for less than a year when they're both not going to college they both don't have jobs well at this point dean still claims he's going to college oh fuck off I don't know. I, don't I think, know. I think Lindsay's mother is probably like conservatively thinking like, oh, she's getting married. Her life is beginning. My job's done. Bye-bye. Oh, Even no. though it's not the case because then her mother like inserts herself in their marriage the entire time. Yeah. Well, from what we see. Um, and then the bachelor party happens. And they're all drunk and they go to Luke's. And Dean starts talking about how in love he is with Rory still. Mm-hmm. And can I just say... Ew. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Took the word right out of my mouth. Ew. <laughs> or also, um, I ha- I'm going to have a reaction video on Twitter that I'm going to tweet later this week in preparation for this episode because Dean is back and it's just obviously ew and also no. And so the reaction video I have is a compilation of Britney Spears on the X Factor saying no to, to contestants. So it's just no, 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 no. <laughs> so that's my, that's my reaction to Dean is just no, no. <laughs> it's so fucking cringe that you would, you would be talking about your ex-girlfriend and how pretty she is, and how her hair is glorious, and how she's the smartest person you've ever met, and how you love her, and then, not even ten hours later, go marry another unsuspecting poor soul. I love, but I do love how Luke got dragged into this and had to literally save everything. I mean... Like, he had to save Dean from that horrendous bachelor party that could have... Like, could have gone much worse. Or... Um, well, then later, he basically saves Rory and Lorelai from attending the wedding, and, you know, who knows what could have happened I mean, there. honestly, though, he was such a spaz in that scenario. 
He's like, no, no, just don't go. And you're like, but why don't go? Just don't go. Like, I mean, okay. I have to. I have to agree. I know, but it's it's just such a spazzy Luke moment that I, I would literally be like, yo, don't go, number one, because it's this fucking dumb idea. <laughs> yeah. Number two, boy still loves you. Get out of town. <laughs> no, I would just be like, I don't know what I would say. I'd be like, Rory, you, you dodged a bullet. What do you want me to say? But then, honestly, this whole thing just makes me hate Dean even more. Because as much as I think that the wedding wasn't a good idea beforehand, mm-hmm. now that you hear him talking about her, like in his drunken stupor, you're like, oh my God, you're trash. You're dragging this poor girl down the aisle and you don't even love her. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to say, I don't know. I'm not going to say he didn't love Lindsay. I think he maybe had, like, he. I think he just took this, teen puppy love from Rory and then tried to project it onto Lindsay and obviously didn't work because he's still in love with Rory and like you said you are a fetus and you're too young to get married because you can't drink at your own bachelor party or your own wedding and in the end it just turns out to be this weird Donna Reed-esque fantasy which Dean completely showed interest in in season one so I think it kind of all came full circle in Dean being trash so I have no idea what else to say to that because Dean has always been trash, right? Yeah, well, now that you said Donna Reed thing, I think for Dean, his life was always going to be complete when he got married and had a kid and his wife catered to him. Yes, and I also think like, that I based think- on I also think that based on what's ha- based on what happens later, not even talking about the events of late season four, early season five. We'll just put a pin in that. But I think Dean was just, from the beginning, was destined to be someone who peaked in high school and lived the rest of his life as, his, the rest of his unfulfilled life in a small town. And that was the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think, I don't know what I think. Uh, I think he thinks he's made it. And whether that's because he doesn't see himself, like he's always said, like, I'm not smart like you. Remember, like, he always say that to Rory. So I think he, I mean, well, you're not. But <laughs> honestly, you know what I'm thinking of right now when you said that was in um, Mike's thread about what each character in Gilmore Girls would be doing during the, the pandemic when he did Dean and Dean was like, I remember you telling me about pandemics and stuff. You're so smart. Like, that's exactly what Dean would say. Fucking Dean. No, I just I think for him, he 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 always knew that he wasn't gonna and this is no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, like you said. I just think the character was like, I'm not gonna amount to much because I'm not great in school. So I'm not even gonna try. Exactly. And for me, going to community college is enough, which by the way, I'm not knocking community college, it's fine. But, like, for him, it was always, like, I'm not, I'm going to end up married with kids anyways. This is the life that, you know, I can imagine for myself. I'm not going to do much else, so why not? Do you think, though, that by later in season, we're jumping way ahead. Um, Do you think that by later in season four, he thinks that the woman in that equation is Rory? Because he he clearly doesn't love Lindsay, 
by no. the end of season four. So yeah, I don't think. He, well, he doesn't love her now. Let's be honest. No. I'm sorry. I'm maintaining that position. He does not love her now. He's he's in his head. He's thinking, how the fuck did I get myself into this mess where I have to get up and go to church tomorrow and get married? Like, I'm sorry. Um, and she's like blissfully head in the clouds. I'm getting married. I want tool everywhere. Like, I don't get it. But anyway. Um, by the way, if you want that much tool at your wedding, no, you're also too young to be getting married. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think by the end of season four, he's like, I want to settle down with Rory. I think by the end of season four, he's like, I clearly fucked up and I married the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And I'm just longing for, um, the good old days where I was a kid and just dating and who was he dating was Rory. Right. So I think for him, Rory represents this uncomplicated time in his life. Yeah, but we're gonna talk about that again at the end of season four. Honestly, guess. because I remember when I told you last summer, um, when I was rewatching season four, because you know last summer was just a very anxious time, so I was like just curling up with comforting things, as as one did in twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I remember texting you saying, like Dean is just, I mean, I think I've said toxic too many times this episode, but Dean is just so toxic and manipulative. In the end of season four, and I still remember telling you, like, I can't wait until we discuss this because it's just, it's really, really bad. And I never, and like, only upon rewatching more and more and think, thinking to our back to our own discussions and analysis, and like, it all becomes so much clearer as you rewatch. So, like, honestly, if any of you are rewatching along with us, do you also see things in new light? Please let us know because it's very revolutionary to me sometimes. Oh, I agree. I think um, there are certain things looking back. Um, that we're going to talk about now, right? Um, that I'm just, I, I never saw the first time around or even the ninth time around, but now I'm seeing. And one mm-hmm. of those things is that, you know, at the end where Rory's kind of watching them from her tree get married. Yeah. I'm like, why is she so upset? Why does it still bother her so much, right? Foreshadow. Yeah, well, <laughs> but for <laughs> me in that moment, I try every episode. I try not to think about what's coming up. Mm-hmm. And I try and look at the past episodes and see where that character is now. Um, it's very hard to do. I don't. Yeah. You see, like, I don't rewatch that way at all. You and I, like, that's where you and I differ. It was like, you, you try to watch each episode and pretend you don't know what's happening next. But anytime that I rewatch something, and I said this a few weeks ago, is that like, I think I have seen the whole thing and now I'm rewatching again. So I'm like, tr- I'm tracing each character's, journey through what i already know and so like it's hard for me to not say you know four style because like you you can it to me it's so clear now and maybe it wasn't clear as much the first few times i watched where it's like there's clearly unfinished business here whereas now i'm like i really don't want there to be unfinished business here because just move on but um you know it it happens and no that's enough (laughs) i was gonna say it's it's hard to do what i do It's hard to do what I do, but I do it. <laughs> I'm amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, it's hard. I, I like season one of this podcast and season two, I would try, I would always try to connect the dots. I'm like, oh, but this is great because in season seven, she does this. Now I'm more like, okay, take it easy and try to think about it from the writer's point of view of like, what has happened seasons one through three that brought us here? Yeah. And for me, in this moment, with Rory watching them kind of like looking very upset, 
I think, not taking into account foreshadowing or whatever, I think in this moment, Rory, so much is changing in her life. She's grow- She's getting older. Mm-hmm. She's a semi-adult because she's kind of living away from her mother. I think what also plays a role in this is that she never really got closure with Jess. Right? Yeah. I mean, again, foreshadow. Shut <laughs> up. Um, I think she cared about Dean a lot. Lord knows why. And for her, it's more about him throwing his life away in her eyes. Right? Yeah. Because I think for her, college after high school was the only path. Right? Yes. Yeah. She spent her whole life trying to escape this life that Dean is now intentionally choosing for himself. Yes. Like her whole life, she's been told that after high school, you go to college, you go to, you get a good job and you don't do like your mother, which is having a kid or getting, or whatever, you know, like it's, she's always been taught both by her mother and by her grandparents to kind of be more independent that Mm -hmm. way. Right. So I think in this moment, it's more like she really, really doesn't understand why Dean is doing this in the first place. Because for her, it's just so unimaginable that at 18 years old, you would want to willingly get married. You get all of that from the glance that she, that at her, at the end of the episode? But I said, it's, it's amazing. I'm amazing. What I do is very hard. Nobody can do it, Jeffrey. (laughs) Okay, because I... (laughs) I, I mean, I was asking because I don't really get that at all. I mean, no, it's not just from the glance, but I'm just thinking like I know, I know she's not still in love with him at this point. I mean, to me, the glance says like, do I? I'm what I'm getting from the glance is she. I'm not gonna say she feels something, but she feels like. Maybe she's reliving, you know, how oh she hurt him by falling for Jess, or she's but she's like reliving something as she stands there and gla- and looks on. It's like a, it's looks she looks on longingly. So it's like, what is she longing for though? And I think that's what the foreshadow is. It's like, is she longing because she still likes loves him? Is she longing for the simplicity of the days when they dated and now her, her life's more complicated? Is she longing for? Does she want to be Lindsay in, in that picture? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think oh, that, no. that's... But I don't get her. I mean, I get what you mean when you say, like, she um, she was taught, you know, you, you finish high school, you go to college, you don't become like your mother. You, like, just follow your ambitions until you die. Um, whereas Dean is, like, his life is beginning as he finishes high school and gets married and that's it. Like, I would agree that Rory doesn't see, doesn't see herself in that equation at all. But I also don't think that she's standing there like arms crossed, like ill. I think she's standing there with a look no, of longing. I don't think it's entirely standing there with arms crossed, judging an ill. <laughs> but I think it's definitely like her thinking, how did we get from us dating less than a year ago? Yeah. To you, to me moving on and going to college, but you moving on, staying still and marrying someone that you've only been dating for like eight months. Okay, yeah. Like, I can see she's... I think she's sad for the fact of how things have worked out. Like, she wants... She's, I think she still cares for him 
and she wants him to achieve more and this isn't it. Yeah, I think it's more like she's just, I think there's genuine confusion in that look that she's giving. Yeah, I think it's like a mix. It's it's a mix of so many emotions. Yeah, for sure. sure. Listen, I'm not, I'm, listen, a human being is comple- complex, Jeffrey. Like, come on. Oh, yeah, you're complex, too. You just, like, no one can do what you do. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I think a lot of it, again, I, I don't think it's only that. I don't think she's just like, oh, my God, ill marriage after high school, gross. Like, I don't think that's it. <laughs> But I I mean, also, that's, that's you and me, but... Yeah, that's me and you, but whatever. Um, yeah, I think there's that. There's also, like, she's moved on, um, or so she thought. She's, you know, not living with her mother anymore. This town is moving on without her. Like, you know, it's a bunch of things, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. But again, we're going to get into that um, later. Should we uh, talk about some of the other stuff in the episode? Or have we dedicated enough time to Dean and the virus? Yes. Let's talk about Lane. So Lane is, has an actual, you know, more than one line in the episode. Yeah, Lane actually plays a part in this episode. Um, and I think it was good to see Lane. Mm-hmm. We're finally getting to see some Lane scenes. Um, and we're finally getting to see what happened to her and the band after the end of season three. Yeah, so Dave is gone. Dave is gone. He went off to California to be Seth Cohen <laughs> um, in the OC. And um, I, what I didn't like about this, though, is that they don't mention, like, what's going on between them. Yeah, because it kind of still, like, it still goes on off screen in future episodes with the marriage jug. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, marriage jug. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think um, they mention him, and then we're kind of waiting for them to say whatever, um, you know, did they break up? Are they still together? What's going on? Um, but they're just like, he's dead to me. Zach says he's dead to me. Um, they're, they're looking for a new guitarist. Yeah, and, and this is the beginning of Zach being an absolute, an absolute pill. Like, he was always he was always insufferable, but like... Train wreck. He's a fucking train wreck. And honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't remember where, where you stand specifically later when they get together and then get married. But, like, to me, yes, the character got watered down and was a bit more tolerable and worked on himself and whatever. But no. I, think, I think fundamentally Zach was always a dick and I never really liked him. I never really liked Zach either. Um, we're jumping ahead. <laughs> uh, but... I don't like I don't like Zach in this episode specifically because he's um he's also very small minded. Speaking of small minded, he's also very like rock and rollers, we don't go to college, okay? We're just gonna like dedicate all our time to this craft. And you're like, bro, you're 18 years old, all of you. You know? You can't really get mad at somebody for wanting to go to college. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's also like it's just it's it, it's very on brand for the early two thousands. I think his car- like his like m- wannabe masculine macho vibe, I guess, which is doesn't he's not that at all. But like he want like everything, nothing's rock and roll and whatever. And like you said, he's eighteen, so whatever. But it's just he's an idiot, and I at this point he drives me insane. Like in season four, he's he's very annoying. Yeah, I don't. Um... You know, I think at this point, it's interesting to see where Lane's story is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when season three ended, it was a little bit up in the air of this, if this whole band thing is going to continue. And then when we got news that 
um, Adam Brody left, we were kind of left in limbo. Um, so I think in terms of an audience, it's comforting to know that Lane's story is continuing with her music. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also wish Zach wasn't that much of a fucking tool. But I do like when, again, skipping ahead, but I do like when, when Gil is introduced because I find he kind of softens in softens the story a little and provides some comic relief. And so you're not all focused on Zach being a dick all the time. Yeah, but I have my own issues with Gil, so let's not. <laughs> okay, well. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we're going to talk about Taylor. Should we talk about Taylor? Because I want to punch him in the face in this episode. Okay, because I was going to say, if there was one episode where I'd love to see Taylor Dosey murdered, it's this one. 100%. Like assassinated, like dead. Gone. Bye-bye. Like, <laughs> Georgia, get on this. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, the hoop that he makes Lorelai jump through. Running water wasn't always historical, you know. Oh, obviously. And why don't you build a translucent porch on top of this porch? Oh, but, like, this is, this is my question. Like, do you think, the like, was the purpose of this episode and him being so annoying the fact that he was making Lorelai do this on purpose so that she would eventually react the way she did and he would then say, I want Luke to give me a space on the street for an ice cream truck and she could make him do that. Was like, was all of the hoops for that? So here's what I wrote in my notes. Pointless storyline. Yeah, it's... That's it's, what I wrote. Literally, that's what I wrote. <laughs> I don't understand what this brought to the show. I think it's just the purpose. Like, pur- I want us to purposely see how annoying Taylor can be. Because I find, I don't think at any other point in the show that. is he is he this bad. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but we already know he's bad. What was the point of this? I feel like, honestly, they wanted to give us another story other than just Dean getting married. I mean, it also, knew- it, comes, it comes together with... Uh, Lorelai and Suki reuniting with Michelle and then them. Yeah, but they could have had that without Taylor. Yeah, I know. But it's like, are they really going to be able to finally start work on their dream without some kind of stupid Stars Hollow quirk getting in the way? Like, that seems on brand to me. Yeah, but to me, it was just useless. (laughs) Like, I don't... It would have been funnier for me, if you ask my opinion, (laughs) to expand the alarm storyline yeah i was gonna say because i think it's cute how in the beginning you're like why would kirk give them this non-functional alarm system like of course kirk would do that but then and then later when they're at the town meeting it's like uh i found some people in your garage uh 18 korean uh that's lane you know lane like (laughs) no i I just i i really really hated that storyline no, and it's easy to hate because Taylor is just so annoying. And all you want to do is scream like, I know you. I know your type. Life has made you feel small. So now you have to just take control of everything. And mm-mm. no. Yeah. The only thing I can think of in terms of why they did this storyline was foreshadowing. To <laughs> him, yeah, to him losing the election. Yeah. And saying, like, everyone's over his shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only reason I could think. Because other than that, like, I didn't find it, like, funny. I didn't think that there was anything particularly entertaining about him 
tearing down their business proposal at the town meeting. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't think him fucking suggesting a, a transparent porch or a bridge to get to their fucking front door was like I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Like, go away. <laughs> no, it was you very mean, annoying. You know this episode drives me nuts every single time I've watched it. It's it's too much. It drives me insane because it's not to me. It's like you can be doing so many other things with an episode like this. Mm-hmm. You can kind of have more scenes of Rory and Lorelai talking about Dean's wedding and like how that makes her feel. You can expand on Luke Luke's storyline with Lorelai and Nicole. Like you can do. You can have the the elder Gilmore's. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like Emily and Richard are not even in this episode, and like they could you could have replaced half of or the entire Taylor storyline with a couple of dinner scenes or something. Yeah, which are always entertaining, right? <laughs> so for me, it was just like, you're trying to give the fucking... You're trying to give Taylor too much airtime, and that's not what we want. I think <laughs> Although like, I do have to... Yeah? I was going to say, I think it's like one of the only times we see Taylor be this involved, and it's like, never again, because he's so fucking annoying. He's, he's the worst... I do have to say, though, that that scene uh, at the town hall meeting where everyone's exchanging mail, that was h- hilarious. Yeah. It's like, and the mailman doesn't have a tongue or something? Mm. Yeah, apparently. I don't know how that works, but whatever. Um, so that 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 was enough Star's Hollow quirkiness for me in this episode. Yeah. I, I, I didn't need them to go to fucking t- Taylor's soda shop and get chocolate And... <laughs> Yeah, and then for him to be like, well, the Stars Hollow Historic Society has to do... No, I didn't need all that shit. We already know Stars Hollow. It's like they were trying to convince us that Stars Hollow is quirky. And I'm like, where have you been for four seasons, bitch? We know that already. (laughs) Worth every penny, let me tell (laughs) you. But yeah, I'm just like, I don't know what... I don't know. I don't know. This is, I think, as close as what we get to a filler episode in season four. Yeah, I would agree. Um... It doesn't do anything to advance the plot, for real. I'm just, I'm like, why? We we really needed Lorelai to come to the realization that she's a business bitch <laughs> in her ridiculous monologue, two-minute monologue? I mean, does, like, the Dean the dean plot obviously advances the the story. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we knew they were going to get married. Yeah, and I think um, Suki, long pause, um, Suki... And Lorelai uh, reuniting with Michelle, like I said, because we hadn't seen Michelle yet this season either. And it was like, where did he go? Because, the, you know, the Independence Inn closed. And so it was a bit of a question mark. And I do love the scene where Suki and Lorelai are trying to, like, convince themselves that we we need Michelle, right? Like, we love him. And it's, yeah. it's a bit obnoxious. Kind of want to kill him sometimes. Like, that's exactly, like, you know, that's exactly how I feel about him. So. Michelle, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of integral to the story i think but I, I think you're right it probably could have functioned with just suki and lorelei figuring out the dragonfly and starting that part of the process and then dean being garbage and that would have been it we didn't we didn't need taylor being annoying because high blood pressure is already a thing with gilmore girls so honest honest to god it like turned me off to the show i was watching it and like taking notes i'm like i need this to be over <laughs> and it's rare that i feel that way with Gilmore Girls, right? But anyways. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I do Anything love else? I do I do love how it ends with uh Kirk falling around in that little yellow taxi. It's like 
you in the beginning you think Kirk's just being annoying and like trying out his new his newest invention, his newest the newest thing he's selling, and then it turns out oh he's just worried about Lorelai being by herself. Like Yeah, that was extra sweet. That's why I would have loved more scenes. Yeah. Like, so I think I that could have been Star's Hollow quirkiness more than Taylor being a dick. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm just, just like I'm mm, I don't know. <laughs> In I'm annoyed with this. In conclusion, but also, Taylor Dosi, dick. Fuck a dick. Okay. Um, anything else for this episode? I don't think so. I think that's it. I think we, like, used all of our energy spewing Dean hatred, which is a very good use of energy all the time, wouldn't you say? All the time. I don't care. All the time. Um, where can they follow us? You're going to do it this time. No, don't make me. You know it. Oh, my gosh. You've done it before. And all of a sudden, you're like, no. Okay. So, they can follow us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Yes. And they can follow us on Twitter at Gilmore Podcast. See? How hard was that? Very. <laughs> and where can they email us if they want? No, that one I don't know. You have to do that <laughs> oh my one. God. Uh, Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com for love letters, uh, business inquiries, anything you want. Hate mail, mm, sure. We don't. We don't mind. I guess. Entertaining. <laughs> mind you, if you were sending us hate mail, you probably aren't listening to the podcast anyway. So, love you. But also get a like. Like what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and um, we still have. Uh, we still have merch. We yes. have Jeff plug Jeff the merch. Jess keychains, Emily magnets, Emily keychains. We have. Team Logan Magnets, for those of you who asked for them. And we're working on some other stuff. Oh, if I, I don't think I've seen the Team Logan ones. Have you posted those? Yes. Interesting. I'll have to look. I haven't seen them yet, but I'm very intrigued. You're intrigued? You hate him. But I'm intrigued just because you've made them and you're my friend and I love you. So I'm intrigued by what you made. Jeez. Interesting. <laughs> I don't hate um, him. I hate Dean. What? I don't hate him. I hate Dean. You've also made clear you're not making Dean merch. I'm not making Dean merch. I'm sorry. It's not worth my time, my efforts. And I don't think any of you would buy it. And if No, because I think we've alienated, alienated any Dean fans we once had following us, so... But I don't... Who buys Dean merch? <laughs> does it exist? I hope not. It yeah. probably does. It does. <laughs> I've seen it on Etsy. It does. Well, they can just go buy it from them. And And also, I wanted to plug, um, not our business, because we don't don't have a business, but (laughs) I wanted to plug um, a lovely small business Mm -hmm. called Perfectly Splendid. Yes. It is a candle shop, and and they make candles based off of um, pop culture references. So, um, they have, basically their scents are based off of either television shows or movies or whatever. And they, um, contacted us, um, with a lovely, um, opportunity to sample one of their Gilmore Girls themed, um, candles that has, that hasn't been released yet. Um, but they're, they're so kind to, to send it to us. Well, they're, they're in the process of sending it to us. And um, they didn't ask for anything. They were just like, hey, we thought you'd enjoy this. Like, here's a candle. Um, and I'm like, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, so it's 
it's going to be based off of the uh, You Jump, I Jump, Ugh, You Jump, I Jump Jack episode of Gilmore Girls, episode uh, seven of season five. Um, apparently from this description they sent me, it's like hints of gin and some other, um, maybe I should read it cause I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> um, but it is about, yeah. So it's based on Rory's time with the life and death brigade and they are doing some, what the fuck? Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? It's in our messages. I know, but why can't I find the fucking scent? I swear too much. Jesus. <sighs> okay, well, anyways, I will find it and I will post it. They haven't they haven't released it yet because they're still testing the scents out. Oh, gin and cypress to evoke the episode in Rory's time with the life and death brigade. Yeah. So um sounds super interesting. I'm running low on my candle supplies. Candles are expensive, y'all. <laughs> and also you're, you're gonna have to take a lovely picture. Of the candle when it arrives and post it so everybody can see. Oh, 100%. They didn't want anything. They were like, hey, we just want to send it to you because, you know, we think you would enjoy it. And we just want your feedback. And I was like, absolutely. They're like, don't, uh, you don't have to post about it. I'm like, girl, I will post everything. Um, (laughs) Because we love to support small businesses, especially during COVID times. Um, And yeah, so we will post the link to their Etsy shop. As well as um, when I do get the candle, I will let you guys know how good it smells. With uh, It'll go perfectly with our Logan merch, by the way. Yes, it will. Because our team Logan Magnet actually has the umbrella and this, the, the quote that says, you jump, I jump, Jack. Team Logan. Interesting. Hello? Interesting. I thought you abandoned me. Yes, I'm like, bye-bye. Bye. Uh, We'll have to post a picture of the Logan merch on the Instagram page so everyone yes. can see. Absolutely. I know we're not there yet, but when I posted um, when I posted all the Jess merch, the Team mm-hmm. Logan people were like, but when about Logan? And I'm like, it's coming, you fucking <laughs> fools. Anyway, oh, my God. That's what happened. <laughs> so then I made that. And also, like, if you have any suggestions of what you want to see, what quotes you want to see, we're working on some other ones, but please let us know. There are so many quotes to pick from, obviously. But Yeah, yeah. and I was going to say, like, if people are asking for Logan merch, I'm pretty sure, like, they would have already asked for Dean merch, so I think they're not, they're not following us. <laughs> no, and I'm okay with that, honestly. I've come to terms <laughs> with it. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it. That's in, that's all we have for this episode. Um, because Dean is trash. That's it. <laughs> that's always it. We just Dean is trash is the theme of every episode from now on. That's the theme of our podcast. <laughs> Remember early on where we're like, should we change the name of our podcast to Dean's Hair Sucks? <laughs> like, it wasn't even that. It was it was a Lenny hates Dean's hair. Oh yeah. Okay, accurate. Come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's accurate. It really is. All right. So we will see you next week. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.